Okay, so before we jump into Lesson 7, I just want to wrap up a few things about Lesson 6. So, remember our last lesson was on communication. A few notes there on the board back there. We talked about communication. And I just want to say a few more things about that. In fact, what I want to do is I want to read something to you. And this is for free. There's no additional charge for this right here. But I do want to read some to you. And I just want to see what you think about it. I want to get your thoughts on this, particularly uh, those of you who are married or may want to get married, those of you who may be dating and thinking about marriage, really want to hear from you on, on this right now. So just uh, listen to what I'm going to read to you. This is called Deciphering the Code. Okay? Deciphering the Code. What she really means. If she says we need, she really means I want. If she says it's your decision, she really means the correct decision should be obvious right now. If she says you are so manly, she really means you need to shave and you sweat a lot. <laughs> if she says the kitchen is so inconvenient, what she really means is I want a new house. If she says, I want new curtains, she really means, and carpeting, and furniture, and dot, 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 dot. If she said, I heard a noise, she really means, I noticed you were almost asleep. If she says, do you love me, she really means, I'm going to ask for something expensive. If she says, how much do you love me, she really means, I did something today you're not going to like. If she says, I'll be ready in a minute, <laughs> she really means kick off your shoes and find a good game on TV. If she says, do you like this recipe? She really means it's easy to fix, so get used to it. If she says, you're certainly attentive this evening, she really means that sex all you ever think about. Now for the man. If he says, I'm hungry, he really means I'm hungry. If he says, I'm sleepy, he really means I'm sleepy. If he says, I'm tired, you can guess it. He really means I'm tired. If he says, do you want to go to a movie? He really means I eventually like to have sex with you. If he says, can I take you to dinner? He really means, I eventually really like to have sex with you. If he says, what's wrong the first time, he really means, why are you making such a big deal out of this? If he says, what's wrong the second time, he really means, what self-inflicted psychological trauma are you going through right now? <laughs> if he asks, what's wrong for a third time, he really means, I guess, sex tonight is out of the question. If he says, I'm bored, what he really means, do you want to have sex? If he says, yes, I like the way you cut your hair, he really means $50 and doesn't look any different. <laughs> if he says, let's talk, he really means I'm trying to impress you with how sensitive I am so maybe we can have sex later. Now, what do you get out of a list like that? <coughs> the, she says, if she says, she really means, if he says, he really means. If you, if you listen to that, what are your impressions of that? Like, what do you, what's, what hits you right away when you hear a list like that? Anybody? 
as you process that and digest that. Because I think there's something to be learned from that. Yes, ma'am. I think overall, looking at everything that he says or everything she says, it kind of simplifies the man and makes the woman seem very complex. <laughs> so, so you got out of that, because this is in the context of communication, okay? The woman's method of communicating is a little bit more complex than the man's. Yeah, or, not, not vague, but like... Man is more direct. Yes, and woman's got to interpret a little bit more. Do, do, are y'all with, with Taylor on that one? I think that's a good observation. I think that's really good. Did anybody else have some? Jacob, what you got, brother? What you got, man? I mean, I was cringing the whole time. So. <laughs> I didn't write that, by the way, Jake. I didn't write that, so I don't think I wrote that. I know you didn't write Okay, that. so... Sorry, you might have been sweating reading it. Yeah, uh, so. I was. I was. But I thought it was something... It's just totally dysfunctional and, like... Aspects of it are like misogynistic, and it's just messed up. And we can laugh at it a little bit. Yeah. And there's like a part of life where maybe I would have even, and people like depending on how you grew up looked at that as like accurate, but it's totally dysfunctional. No, I, I agree with that, Jake. And I'll even add to that comment by saying I think it's wrong to put people in boxes. I don't think you should put God in a box. I don't think she put people in a box. I don't think all men are the same. I don't think all women are the same. But a list like that will do that. Now, I get that to be kind of fun. Just to read something funny yeah. to you. I, would, I, I don't want you to take it as gospel. Because <laughs> it's not gospel. Uh, and, and I'm not in no way saying that that's how a man should think. Or that's how a woman should think. I'm not saying that. The only reason I read it was for this reason. I think it does show to a degree, and it may be in certain relationships, that men and women can communicate differently. And we need to just be conscious of that. That's all, that's all I'm really trying to show from that. Not trying to put anybody in a box here. If you're a man and you're hearing anything, like, that's not me at all. Hey, most, much that's not me. I mean, that's, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? And it doesn't mean you're less of a man if you don't think like that. Or you're less of a woman if you don't think like this. The point is, communication is not easy. It can be hard in a relationship. That's the point. But but communication is still a must. Good communication is a must. So forget all that garbage I just read. If you thought it was funny, if you didn't think it was funny, I didn't want to make anybody mad. I'm trying to do that. It's not gospel. But here it is. Here is the gospel. I'm going to give you some gospel right now. I will say that based on what we read in our Bibles about marriage and any relationship, good communication is a must. Any solid relationship is built on good communication. Now, that's true. That's true in our relationship with God, right? Yeah. God wants us to communicate with him. We do that through prayer. But it can't just be one side. We can't be the only ones just talking to God. Oh, God talks to us. So if you're doing your daily Bible reading right now, that's great. Do it. That's how God is talking to you. But don't let that be a one-sided thing. you got to talk to God. God wants to hear from you. That's prayer. The same is true with your spouse. you got to have good communication. So here are some things. These are also in your notes, but I'm going to repeat them because this is the Bible here. How do you have good, good communication in, in your marriage, in your relationships with the person that you love, that you're with right now? The first one, you always tell the truth. Always speak the truth. Ephesians 4.25 says you speak the truth in love. So I don't care what relationship we're talking about, whether it's your parents, young people, somebody you're dating, your spouse, with God, I 
obviously, we always tell the truth. You have to have honesty and trust in a relationship. Secondly, avoid harsh words. Avoid harsh words. I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18, Solomon says, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We should use our mouths to bring peace, to bring healing in a relationship, not the opposite. I'm also thinking about Proverbs chapter 15. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1, here's a good one for marriage. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Gentle answers. That's how you can calm down a situation. Keep the pot from boiling over. Verse 2, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouths of fools sprouts folly. So you want to avoid harsh words with the person that you're one with. Number three, keep your anger in check. That can be hard. But as Christians, we're supposed to be people of self-control. So we got to keep our anger in check. That may mean we you got to you know go pray about it. Get up, get out of the room for a little bit and cool off. But remember Ephesians four twenty six: Be angry, but do not sin. Nothing wrong with getting angry. God gets angry in the Bible, but don't let your anger lead you to sin. Number four: Listen. Communication is built on talking, but also listening. So James says in James one and verse nineteen. Be swift to hear and slow to speak. I always heard it this way. You probably heard this before too. God gave us two ears and one mouth. For a reason probably. We need to listen. We need to listen to the, to the person we love. Number five, encourage. Communication can be a great tool to encourage somebody. And so I'm thinking about Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29 where Paul talks about unwholesome words not coming from our mouths, but only words that are good for edification. That's a passage that should just uh, apply to relationships in church, but also our marriages. You, you, we need to say encouraging things to our spouse. Number six, and Janelle made some good points on this last time, body language. Watch your body language. In Proverbs 6, the proverb writer Solomon talks about how God hates a proud look. Not just saying prideful, prideful words, but looking prideful. That's some of our body language in that verse. So watch your body language. That, 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 that sends a lot of signals. Be conscious of that. And then number seven, think before you talk. And Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew 12 and verse 36. In Matthew chapter 12, and verse 36, Jesus says, But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you'll be, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. That's a scary verse. That's a scary verse because Jesus is saying God is listening. He's only watching our actions every day. He's listening to our words. And we're going to give an account to him for the things we say which would include even the stuff we say to our spouse. So that means we got to think before we talk. Think before we talk to, to God, to our brethren, especially to our spouse. So I just wanted to close that with a communication thing. Hate to get y'all's blood pressure boiling to start class. Uh, Jason and I read that together. We was like, oh boy, we got a lot of people mad with that list. But 
I think the, the point I was just trying to make was, you know, there can be some differences to a degree between men and women when it comes to this, but we can make it work. We can make it work. Communication can be achieved by following biblical principles. In fact, speaking of principles, we're going to talk about power principles now. Talk about four of them tonight. Things that we can do right now, and we should be doing, to energize our marriage and keep it at a high level like God wants it to be. There are four of them here. Janice put them on the, Janice put them on the board for us. Kindness, teamwork, service, and physical touch. There are four more we're going to look at Sunday. We're going to look at these four tonight. And the first thing we're going to look at is this idea of kindness. We live in a mean world. A lot of ugliness. You see it on social media. You see it on the news. You see just when you're sitting and standing in line at Walmart, the checkout line, you, you, you just see people being rude to each other. This is an ugly world we're living in. So the Bible says some things about kindness. We're reading Galatians right now in our Bible reading. We're going to be in Galatians 5 next week. One of the fruits of the Spirit is kindness. It's kindness. If you're living by the Bible, if you're really living by it, you'll be a kind person. 2 Peter 1 and verse 7. I've been drilling this passage home all year. We went through those seven ingredients for spiritual growth Peter gives us. One of them is brotherly kindness. Did a whole sermon on that one. Ephesians 4.32. Paul says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God's forgiven you. That doesn't just apply to brethren, being kind to brethren. Being kind to the person you see every day and you live with and you love. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, Paul says clearly there in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is, agape love is kind. It's kind. So let me ask you now, I'm going to throw it out to you. I want you to think about this. Maybe you thought about it ahead of time. How do words and actions of kindness energize your marriage? What positives can being constantly kind to your spouse, what can that do for your marriage? How can it energize it and, and, and keep the love you have for one another at a high level? Uh, yes, ma'am, kids, go right here. Um, it makes you feel safe to communicate. Safety. I like that. Makes you feel safe to communicate. Can you, would you mind just elaborating a little bit more? So I, I like that. Like, what's going on in your mind, though, with that? Either yeah, way. well, I mean, it could be in, in times of conflict, if you know that the two of you are going to speak kindly to each other, um, even through conflict, mm -hmm. that you feel safe sharing how you truly feel or what truly hurt you or... Um, so I guess it, it keeps you from wanting to shut down. Have you ever felt like, it's in, not just talking about marriage, but in any relationship, it could be with your parents, your employer, where I don't feel safe to tell how I really feel because I think this person's going to chew me out. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't feel safe letting you know exactly how I feel. Even this person is telling me, don't tell me what you really feel. You you know it's not safe. Yeah. It's not safe because this person's going to get mad. They might fire me. They might chew me out and, and, and betray this trust I have right now. So I don't want that emotional damage. So I'm just not going to open up. I'm going to keep it to myself. I like that. Anyone else? Somebody else have? Yes, Austin, did you need to come to you next? I'm kind of reminded of the analogy you gave about the um, deposits into the, the bank account. So yeah, speak. love bank. Because um, they'll come in handy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe at different times when things won't go so smooth. Um, 
I'm reminded of, you know, some of the things that Drew's learned with refereeing. You know, if your first interaction with the coach is 20 minutes into a game and he's complaining about a call, that's not good, which is why you get to the field an hour early, you greet them, shake their hands. Make some deposits early. So when the retirement draw comes, it'll be okay. The table looks like you're having a good season. You know, just start to be a human and a friend, and then later on they'll be nicer to you. Yes, <laughs> you know, absolutely. No, that's really good. I like that a lot. I like I, I like that you remembered that too, also the idea of always trying to make deposits in the love bank because that, that will come in handy later. Uh, Janice, what was you gonna say, ma'am? Um, it just makes you not want to take advantage of them. Like you, there's a sense of gratitude that makes you want to try harder. Oh. Leads to more effort mm -hmm. in the relationship. Yeah. I like that. When you feel like somebody's being kind to you, it actually makes you feel valuable. Mm -hmm. And it can motivate you to want to try harder. Absolutely. Yes? Say it just also kind of keeps, for lack of a better term, <laughs> uh, the vibe happy. So, like, I don't vibes. know if anybody else is like me, but I tend to, like, if something negative is said or if something frustrates me, it can be very difficult. Like, you look at kids, like, they're crying one second, they're laughing and super happy literally two seconds later. But for me, it, like, it's hard for me to switch gears. And so, just generic, or generally being kind. Keep you right, keep you right there. Yeah, it allows yeah. you to not, um, I have a hard time, like, sometimes I'll think, man, I feel like this situation is over, I should be moving on, I'm now wasting time of my life that I could be happy. Because you linger it on. Yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it allows you to essentially not waste precious moments. And, and, and you know, that's a, that's an interesting comment because people handle things differently. Some people have very thick skin and they let it rub off of them. But some people, when you're unkind to them, uh, they hold on to it. And it's hard to let it go. It's hard to move on and go to dinner now. It's hard to go on and watch this movie now and be cool. Because that, you know you're feeling that still, it's not it's not as easy for you to let it go. Uh, no, I, I like that kindness can really just set the tone for everything in the relationship. I had put on my paper, it sends a message of value when you're constantly kind to someone, particularly in this case your spouse. You're sending a message of you matter to me. You matter to me. I want to make sure I treat you right. I also put on here some of the other Christian things, qualities that we have to have that kindness can help us with. It can permeate patience. You know, a lot of times people are impatient with their spouse because they just don't like them. And that's not right. When you, when you have kindness, you can be a little bit more patient. You can be patient, you know, as your wife's getting ready because you feel good about her. You can be patient with your husband as he, you know, messes up on something you told him not to do 50 times. You know, it can permeate patience in the home. It can permeate forgiveness. Notice how Paul connects in Ephesians 4.32, kindness with forgiveness. When you have kindness in a relationship, it's going to make you, it's going to make forgiveness easier. And you need forgiveness in a marriage. Because nobody's perfect. And then I also put on here thoughtfulness. You know, thoughtfulness. It, it takes effort to be kind. And and when, when you were with someone who's always making that effort, that shows they, they're really thinking about you. They're, they're considering your feelings. They're not treating you like a doormat. You know what I mean? 
And, and unfortunately, that happens a lot in marriages. You know, I put on here when it comes to, to unkindness, unkind words, how does that destroy a marriage? It just sends a bad signal. If I'm always treating my wife like garbage, and everything she says, I'm snarky with her, and I never smile, I'm always angry with her, and I'm always trying to nitpick everything she does, that's sending a signal to her. What signal is that sending to her? I don't really care about you. I don't really want to be with you. That's the signal that is sending. It also destroys the person you love's self-esteem. Especially if you say unkind words. You're just tearing that person down. Tearing their self-esteem down. And it gives the devil an opportunity. Remember what Paul said, be angry, yet do not sin. If you want to give the devil an avenue into your marriage, treat your spouse like garbage. Because he'll come right in. And he'll find a way to lead you further and further away from God and the person you're with. Because he, he's smart. He can see, oh, I have an avenue here. He, really, he or she doesn't really care about the person they're with. So I can totally mess up their relationship. Kindness is important. And so in, the, in, your, in, your, in your packet there, in your, in your um, notes, there are some things in there, some, some very practical things you can do to demonstrate kindness. I'm going to give you some additional <coughs> ones to go with that list that you have there, that I just kind of thought about today as I was sitting at my desk. If you want to just do little things, and, and Austin brought up the love bank, if you want to keep just putting those deposits in there, those kind deposits. So things I thought about, and maybe you'll have some additional ones to share here. And this goes with being thoughtful. Thinking outside the box. Going beyond just holding the door open, that's great. Or saying, you know, I love you which was something we always need to be doing with our spouse constantly. But a kind note or a text. Just a random note on the kitchen counter when you're walking out the door in the morning just for them to see when they get up and go and get their coffee. I text, a random text throughout the day. I'm thinking about you. I love you. I can't wait to see you. Also put on here an act of service. Uh, running an errand for your spouse. I'll go... I'll go get the oil change today. Let me go do that. I'll get the groceries today. I'll go pay these bills today. A chore, washing dishes. A man just say, hey, you don't worry about that. I got this tonight. A chore of some kind. I've even heard of this before. I've heard of women when I was in the South going to cut the grass for their husbands just to do an act of kindness. And I don't think you thought heard of that before. Woman said, I, I don't get the mold. You don't worry about it. You just watch the game. That's an act of kindness. Uh, watching the kids, us and me, and watching the kids while our wives just go and let them treat themselves. You know, some, some women are with the kids all day long. And it isn't kind just to say to them, hey, I got them. You go get your nails done, go, go shopping, go watch a movie. That's an act of kindness, isn't it? Acts, that's an act of service. And then a question that shows you matter to me. You know, so often we're ready just to tell things, tell things, tell things. How about just asking our spouse randomly, tell me how was your day? I just want to listen to you. Tell me what can I do better for you? What do you think about this? What do you think about this Bible passage? Questions show kindness at times. It shows you matter to me. I want to listen to you. I want to hear what you have to say. Your thoughts matter to me. 
And then a compliment, I know that sounds simple, but it matters. So often, you know, we can be quick to tear down our spouse. You didn't do this right. You were late on this. How about just complimenting? I like your hair. I like it. I like that dress. I like how you did this. I like how you did that. I mean, that, that, that's kindness. And that only helps your marriage. Go ahead, Brother Jay. Go right. And that's all I had there. So anyone else now? Yes, sir. These things are phenomenal. I think it's important to also put it into perspective of that when we do these things, they are acts of kindness. And, like, we don't expect a, a party to be thrown in our honor in return. Like, it's all part of the partnership. Absolutely. And I used to think that, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do something kind. Now I should get, like, something in return. Yes. But that's not how it works. <laughs> well, kind of going back to this list, I hate referring back to, Jay. <laughs> but as me, you shouldn't just, oh, I'm going to, you know, get sex as a result of this. It's right, not what yeah. it's about. Yeah, there's no expectation. It's, it's no expectation. The, the, the gift we get from it is we are putting our spouse on a pedestal where they need to be. That's the gratification we get from it. Um, and, and so I like that a lot. Do these things, but expect nothing in return. Just to show love and kindness to your spouse. Yes, ma'am, Melissa. I was going to say that, I mean, when you do that, for a woman especially, because I feel like um, being sensitive and those sorts of things matter a lot more sometimes yeah. to women. Absolutely. To men. Um, and so when you do that, you're going to get back from your wife. You know, the more that you give in, the more you're going to get back. So. No, it, it, it kind of goes, it kind of goes, Allison, with, uh, you know, some women say, you know, we always talk about the man being the head and leading the family. And that's, you know, that's, in our society, it sounds kind of like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you saying? A man's supposed to be the boss or something? But if a man is, is being kind and loving the Lord, and doing right, a woman will naturally want to be under his leadership. It's not going to be something we got to debate about and, and say, "Wait a minute, that doesn't, that, you know, that doesn't sound right." It, it, everything will flow properly when the man is doing God's will, and vice versa when the woman's doing God's will. Also, these things people will naturally want to embrace the right thing to do. So I, I'm just backing up your point that if a man does these things, he doesn't have to sit back and wait. No, oh, what's my wife going to do for me? She's naturally going to reciprocate that, and vice versa, vice versa. Yes, ma'am, Daisy. I think this kind of goes both ways. Um, I think the even coming from a woman, do it for a man, I think I surprised Michael the first time I took him out. I said, you know what, I'm taking you on a date. And it, it kind of, it, uh, it boosts his morale, too, because it shows that, you know, he matters to you, too. Yeah. So saying, telling him, hey, I'm taking you on uh, dinner. Well, why don't you talk, you should have called Janicia back about 20 years ago. <laughs> I would have had some more money in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing that my mom kind of put into yeah. me. It's like, they, they like to be treated, too, you know. Take yes. them for an ice cream and take them somewhere, because it, it's always the man doing it for the woman. But when yeah. it's the woman doing it to the man, it's like, you catch them by surprise. Well, it's use an experience here, and in, in, in all seriousness, Janicia, my wife, is, is does this very well like you like you do with Michael. I mean, there's sometimes when she'll come to me and say, hey, I have an opportunity to go get some extra tutoring or something, and I want to do this because I want to buy you something. Yeah. And that is big deposits for me. You didn't you know. have to do that. I wasn't going to put you on the No, but you know, no, but you, no, you do do that. And, 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 and we've been married 20 years, and that's still a big part of our marriage you're making sure we're, we're being thoughtful towards each other. The things that one of my pet peeves is 
sometimes we do these things to get this person. We do these things to get this person, then we get married and we stop. Who said we supposed who said that was right? Who said we supposed to stop that stuff? Who said we supposed to let ourselves go now? Or or stop making a serious effort because we got them now? No, we, we want to keep the relationship strong. And these acts of kindness can do that. So I believe a lot of reasons why we have so many divorces in our culture is because people they're no, no longer kind to each other. And the devil creeps in. Anybody else have something here? Good thoughts, everybody. Uh, let's talk about teamwork. A marriage is a team. You are joined with somebody. You are in a relationship. So it's not just you anymore. And you young people need to hear this. It's not just you anymore. It's you and this person. To death separates you. So everything you do, it needs to be together. One of my favorite examples of this in the Bible is Priscilla and Aquila. I love Priscilla and Aquila. I, I preached a sermon about them here. I, that sermon I preached, I preached in a lot of places. They were a team. Read their story. Every time you hear about them, they're always together. You never hear about Aquila without Priscilla. And you never hear about Priscilla without Aquila. They are teaching Apollos together. They're helping Paul together. They're tent makers together. They're letting people gather in their home to worship together. They were a true team as a married couple. That's how it has to be. I, I would love for God to look at my marriage and say, they're like Aquila and Priscilla. That, that's what I'm talking about. So how does doing things with your spouse, constantly doing things with your spouse, uh, and it could be, think about your own experiences. Think about your experiences. Projects you've done together, people you may have taught together, one for Christ together. How, does that, how, how did that energize your marriage? Doing things with your spouse. It could be, things you did with your kids together. Just think outside the box. How did doing things with your spouse in a, in a group or team effort enhance your marriage? I wrote down four things that I thought about that teamwork, good teamwork can do uh, to a marriage. Some positives that can bring. Yes? This is actually an example prior to marriage, but how Austin and I met, we did track. We ran track together. So um, that was a way for us to connect. And so on the hobby side of things, if you have hobbies to do together, you have more things to go. Like It's not like we're out running hurdles nowadays. But, right, right, <laughs> um, right, right. But if you have this similar interest, even if you have different things too, it allows you to connect in a way other than simply talking. I put down in mind, I'm coming to you next, Brother Greg. The connection, it draws you closer together. When you do things with somebody, it, it draws you closer. It helps you get to know each other better. Some, some in the church as a preacher, one of the ways I learn about people is when I do stuff with people. When I do things with people, I, I didn't know you had that interest. Oh, you I like that too. So the more you do stuff with someone, the more, it's just something about that the connection grows stronger. Not just in marriage, really in any relationship. Brother Greg, yes sir. Kind of building off that, you have some of the best relationships are developed through both shared successes and shared sufferings. Mm -hmm. So going through as two people in one team, um, you're building up that sense of camaraderie with one another. Um, mm. And you're able to energize your marriage of either overcoming like a really tough situation or like you had a really great day 
and you're both able to celebrate together. I couldn't spell camaraderie, <laughs> so I put unity. That's why it's easier for me to be able to spell. But it's the same idea. I even put that on my paper. It promotes unity. God wants married people to be one. That takes effort. That goes beyond just, okay, I said I do, now we're one. No, we have to keep working at that. We got to keep building that unity, that oneness. And one of the ways we do that is by doing things together. Did anybody else have something? Yes, ma'am, Katie. Um, I think like lightening the load or like splitting the load when you have someone else that yes. can make things easier. Isn't that what Solomon said? Two are better than one. And so often we miss that. We miss that. We, especially us as men at times, we can want to you know, be the hero always and we want to handle things all by ourselves. That's not what marriage is supposed to be. That's not what marriage is, not the way God wants it to be. I put on my investment of time. When you do something with someone, you're invested. And if you wanted to know how much something matters to someone, look at where, how much investment they're putting into it. They could be money or time. Those are the two big commodities that people value, money and time. And here I'm talking about time. When I'm willing to work with my spouse on something, I'm investing not just in a project, but in my spouse. I'm doing this with you. We're doing this together. I'll also put this, it connects back to our previous one, communication. When you do something with your spouse, you can't help but keep trying to get better and better at good communication. Because if you're going to be successful together, you've got to communicate. You're forced to. You're forced to. And then... As far as destroying your marriage, when you have this kind of long-ranger attitude in a marriage, it can generate division. It can generate competition. I'm trying to outdo my own spouse. I'm trying to make, you know, it means more to me to make more money than you. To get glory for something that I did by myself that you can't get it with me. <coughs> That's competition. It takes a spouse away from God and their spouse. Because I'm all about individualism. So I'm getting further from God, because that's not God's will, but I'm getting further from my spouse, because I want to be just by myself when I do everything. So here's some things. There's some things in your book there that you can do with your spouse. But I want to give you some additional things. We're doing this Bible reading right now. That is not just something good to help us grow spiritually. That's something good to do with your spouse. I'm not trying to put nobody on the spot right now. But if you're not doing that with your spouse, you're missing an opportunity. Can you think of anything better to do with your spouse than to read the Bible and pray together? But, so, but I'm willing to suspect that a lot of folks in our congregation here, they're probably doing it by themselves. Think they want to do it at their own pace. And this is a great opportunity to read together and ask your spouse, what do you think about this? God's going to bless that. And pray. How often do you pray with your spouse? Talk to God with your spouse. You brought up exercise. I put that down. That, that is something good to do. And, and Janice and I do that. Walk together, get a chance to talk, and, 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 and build on your health together. Uh, we both say we want to live a long time together. So one of the ways we try to achieve that is by exercising together. And when she goes, it makes me want to go because... I don't want to be the lazy glutton on the couch while my wife trying to stay in shape. I want to go with her. So that motivates me. helps motivate me to want to exercise. Disciplining children. 
do it together. Don't let it be one spouse doing it, doing it and playing good cop, bad cop kind of thing. Do it together. Be on the same page together. Let the kids know we can't divide and conquer these people. They're in unity together. And then, obviously, we do this every Sunday, but worshiping. I, this goes back to something we talked about earlier. Look, I, don't, I do not believe it's a sin to marry a non-Christian. I don't believe that. I believe God made marriage for everybody, and he allows us to choose. You can marry a non-Christian as long as that person's not bound to somebody. I will say that while I don't believe it's a sin, I do believe it's bad judgment. That's a difference. Okay? And it's just my opinion on it. But I will say that one of the benefits of marrying a Christian is you get to worship. You know you're going to be worshiping every Sunday with that person. That's a blessing. And then another thing I had is fun stuff. Go, go to the movies together. Go golf together. Play video games together. You know, do things together. Have fun together. Go bowling together. You know, that's one of the great things about marriage is you always got something to do with somebody fun. And I'll say this too. I'll say this. You might have to make some sacrifices on this. I don't like, I don't have to do this, but I don't like plays and going to the ballet, but... Sometimes me ain't got to make sacrifices. If she likes it, go to it. And maybe your wife don't like football and basketball, but hey, sacrifice and go to a game or two. It's not so much the event as it is the opportunity to be together. You understand what I'm saying? You can be together. That's really what it's about. There have been times when we went and saw a garbage movie that we didn't like. Or we went and saw a, a, a commander's game. They got blown out. And after I get done pouting and getting mad about that, I say, you know what? It still was worth it. You know why? We were together. We did it together. You never waste your money when you do something with your spouse. Because it's hard for the devil to creep into a marriage when the people are always being glued together. In fact, I'll close with this. You know that language the Bible talks about being one? The Bible says you're one. It says God joins you together. When you look it up in the Greek, that language literally means God glues you together. God glues you together. So imagine this. Imagine I took these two pieces of paper and put, you know, Elmer's glue on this one and put it on this one and put them together. Okay? That's what God does to marry people. But what if I later, once that dried, tried to tear that those two pieces of paper apart? Would it come apart clean? What's going to happen if I tear it apart later after these two things are glued together? That's what we do when we tear apart what God's joined together. Now you see why Jesus said don't do it? You make a mess. So we'll stop right there. Get ready.